Otherwise, this is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me is my co-pilot. It's Drew. How are you today, Brandon? I am great, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to why I'm great in just a minute. Because we have to introduce really the coolest among us, the best among us, the strongest among us. She's cooler than a death trooper. I, I don't know. That's it. Death Trooper. Come on. I'm, come on. I'm looking at the on. Death Trooper and I just realized like how great they are. All right. You ready for this? They're cooler than a Death Trooper with a pet porg riding a loth wolf. It's Lindsay. Oh, the mental image on that one. That's yeah. too good. Yes. My little heart can't handle it. <laughs> It'll grow three sizes. Watch out. <laughs> just in that one day. <laughs> From that one image. I saw... Uh, Christmas miracle. I think it was a uh, from celebration this year, and I hadn't seen it before. It was a uh, an art print um, from, and I'm blanking on her name, but uh, unmistakably Star Wars just did an interview with her, and they're going to release that episode soon. Um, but she did a painting of Ahsoka, Ahsoka the White, in the fields of Lothal with the the Loth wolves. Oh wow! And it was yeah, it was beautiful. Wow. So. Loth wolves are on the brain. But you know what else is on the brain? See, this is this is the part of the show where I normally go, hey, Drew, what are you Star Warsing lately? Or, hey, Lindsay, what are you Star Warsing lately? But I'm going to be honest. I don't care. You know why? <laughs> you want to know why? Yeah. Why? Because I'm going to celebration! It's <laughs> all I care yes. about. We need a clipping warning on that one. We are all go. Uh, don't worry, I'll I'll edit it down. He says, knowing that he actually won't. Uh, we're all going to celebration, guys. I'm so excited. It's oh, congratulations happening. Oh man, it is going to be weird that like unless we do something beforehand, that the first time we all actually meet in person is going to be at my wedding. But whatever, it's all good. <laughs> That's the the most us thing imaginable. It really though. is. Clashing yeah. Sabers Con 2020. <laughs> I love it. Let's get a booth. <laughs> oh my god! Could you imagine we're just handing out? Li- That's going to be our little, little uh, party favor. <laughs> little pamphlets. Have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? Oh man! So, guys, <laughs> are you as excited as I am for celebration? Oh my god, I am. Oh. It's just all right. So, what do you guys think they're going to really focus on, though? Because there's not going to be a big movie. All we can really expect TV show-wise so far is Cassie and Andor. It's going to have to be where they announce uh, Benioff and Weiss's new trilogy, right? I can't think of anything else that they would do. I think we get Benioff and Weiss's trilogy uh, announced. I think we get the Knights of the Old Republic that's been reported announced. I think we get a Cassie and Andor panel Maybe a Mandalorian season one review panel. Uh, definitely resistance on a bigger stage. And I think, at least for me, the big announcement is going to be a new Jedi Order type long series of books at the publishing panel. Oh, man. I'm That'd calling it now. With Luke mm-hmm. and Ben training together and 
like you start out with Luke pre-starting the temple, uh, you know, as he's out exploring, finding uh, Force artifacts like we saw in Battlefront 2 and Legends of Luke Skywalker, and then you evolve that into the, the Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker adventures. Would you mm. want that all from one author, or are you thinking a whole mix? And that's what Project Luminous is. Drew, it's got to take a that mix one of, first. It's got to be a mix of people, doesn't it? I mean, the last couple long form series out of the old canon had usually, I think it was between three and seven authors who would trade off back and forth, right? Uh, I'm trying I to mean, think through. Like, sure. Legacy of the Force had three. Fate of the Jedi had three or four. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm kind of hoping we get more information on the Ryan Johnson movies going forward. I don't oh, really that know that. Nice. We haven't really heard much about it since they, they he's kind of signed that three picture deal to kind of create and direct and guide his own set of things. And it's like, well, okay, well now what do we do? Let's let's put a little uh, meat on those bones, shall we? Well, I think that comes down to uh, you know are, are those three movies that have already been announced are they going to be all of the same series? Which I feel like they're mm. going to do. I th- that, that's what I think. I think you get a Benioff and Weiss trilogy, then a Ryan Johnson trilogy, and then if there's more to do with uh, either one of those, okay. you know, um, you come back to it. But I, with what happened with Solo, um, with the confusion around Rogue One and just the casual fan confusing, is this Ray or what happened here? Why are things so different? Um, right. I think just in terms of keeping things cohesive and allowing your general audience to to kind of keep up you you just release one series at a time cuz that's that's the difference with the Marvel universe like the Marvel universe i mean for the most part it happens in our world you know except for like Guardians of the Galaxy and things and even that is a pretty cohesive uh place a, a cohesive setting you know it all looks looks the sure. same and the timeline doesn't really matter that much um when you're looking at all the movies overall unless you are looking at like the avengers that you kind of need to watch in order to get it but other than that you're kind of fine whereas star wars you kind of need that background to be able to get yeah it. And, and they did a they did a really good job of releasing them in mostly chronological order with very few exceptions and the ones that were exceptions they did such a good job of establishing that they were not in the exact same timeline. You know, like Captain Marvel taking place in the 90s when she crashes through a blockbuster video roof. That's a pretty good indicator. It does not occur in the present day. Yeah. So I think they did a really good job of structuring that. And 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 the so, Star Wars films have kind of struggled to keep that cohesion together, kind of like what you're saying. So I don't know. I, I think you might be right about the, the two trilogies being one after the other instead of intermixed, I think that would make good sense. I just feel like that's a long time. It's such a long way from here before we get back to Ryan Johnson, who I would Has much rather have his. Firm though, that they're even separate projects? I think it has yeah. because the, the Game of Thrones guys are directing and writing, I think. They're three, but Ryan Johnson is only planning to direct the first one and produce the next two in his. Okay. But I don't know that for sure. I, I think um, he's I writing all backwards. three. No, no, no. Is I, he? Yeah, I, I, I think he's writing all three, but you're right. He is just a, planning on directing the first one now. I don't know about Benioff and Weiss if they're directing all of them or not. Or if they're just being showrunners, for lack of I, a better term. 
I was under the impression that they were kind of the creative minds and they're going to be in control of them until they're done. But who knows? We don't have a lot of good concrete information released yet, so that better be one of the focuses during Anaheim's celebration or else, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we wait longer. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be able to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah it's kind. I guess you're right. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to, for the most part, in terms of like the big tentpole movies, keep things pretty separated now because your fans that are going to watch on like Disney Plus are, A, they're subscribing already, so they're willing to do a quick Google search of when does the Mandalorian take place if they're they're not sure, right? But if you walk into, say, Solo, for instance, you can't go, when does Solo happen in the middle of the movie um, right. to, to figure out? And I know, you know, I'm on a lot of Star Wars Facebook groups, and every now and then I'll still see a comment of somebody thinking that Solo happens after Rogue One or right next to, right before Rogue One. Mm. And it's like, no, that's like 10 years beforehand, which is why we have so much potential there. So, Wait, really? Yeah. It, it's I, 10 years before like A New Hope kicks off? Yeah, it's it's like ten either 10 years before A New Hope or 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, one or the other. So, I, know, I know the number's uh-huh. 10. Well, that's really... Okay. That colors the ending for me a little bit where he's going. I just I tried to rewatch Solo in preparation for tonight, and um, man, it's still not my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Um, but th- he says he, they're going to Tatooine to get one more job or something and the i thought the impression was that it's going to be job of the hut but. well no 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 beckett says no, it's going to be one last job but uh yeah. solo goes just to to try to to get a job and and if you go back to like the old legends you know he worked for jabba on a basically on a retainer well, yeah sure but we're, we're throwing all of that out the window i don't know it's uh, I, I, so again do you think i'm it was confused to new hope then I didn't think it was 10 years away. No. Really? Yeah. If anything, I would have thought it was even farther away. How old do you think Han Solo is in A New Hope? Han's like, he's 34. He's 30, right? No, he's like 34. Yeah. No. He's mid-30s. Harrison Ford was like 27 when he was. Luke and Leia are 19 in it. And I thought he was like 30 years old. I thought he was at least 11 years older than Leia. No, I thought he was supposed to be in his mid to late 20s. No, he's solidly, he's, I know for a fact he's solidly at least in his 30s. Uh, the exact right, number, I don't know. Let's see what the uh, the ye old internet has in store for us. <laughs> but I th- It's always right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Wait, Solo what? proved. Okay. That you, you can right. take. A, well, well, okay, what I'm trying to get a thought out, but you're go, you're going crazy you, over there. Go for it. No, I'm not going crazy. I'm just kind of like there's the way Wikipedia is structured kind of bothers me a little bit. So they're claiming he's born at 32 BBY, and then right after that it says 34. He he died 34 ABY, and my brain skipped over that A, so it made it look like he had died two years after he was born. <laughs> Clearly, that's not the case. Yeah, it's. N- the whole okay. before the Battle of Yavin, after the Battle of Yavin thing gets confusing sometimes. Well, I, Can we just get I like a year that. zero? My eyes don't work. Well, you are getting old, so. I know, man. I'm, I'm feeling it in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we are. He's 32? He's is that? You've got to be yeah. kidding me. How old was Harrison Ford when he filmed that thing? He was. All right, one moment. 
You talk amongst yourselves. All right. Well, <laughs> we got an email that I wanted to get to. I mentioned it on uh, the last episode or the episode before that our friend Neil Lowry from across the pond sent us a very intriguing email. And I thought that uh, today would be a good day to talk about it. So Drew and Lindsay have no idea uh, what this question is going to be about. I have been pondering on this question for many a days, and I'm still not 100% sure what my answer is. But here it goes. Really setting us up for success here. I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm a leader like that. <laughs> so Neil, of course, uh, says you, we have a phenomenal podcast and all those nice things that he, he loves to send, and, and we appreciate that. He has a little bit of an u- unusual question. What Star Wars character would you like to have pick up your morning or afternoon garbage? They would come around just enough that you're on talking what? terms, but you're not, hmm. you know, besties. But, like, you're, you're Milkman, you're Garbage Man. What Star Wars character would you want, Lindsay? I think mine, and it's not even because he is top of my head right now due to the uh, the subject matter of this episode, but I think mine would, off the top of my head, have to be Lando. Really? It is. It is. And I don't want to give too much away right now for why that is. Okay. But he's just like that, that friendly guy who you always enjoy talking to. He's never going to ruin your day. But you're just like, eh, I can't really read him. Don't really know how much time I need to spend with him. <laughs> Thinking on that, then... I think I've come to my answer, which is a character from Alphabet Squadron. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Only 10 pages in, so be careful. Oh, man. No, it's, I mean, it's a character description that you can get on their official release, but it's Kairos. It's the one, the pilot in the mask. Wow. At least, I'm I'm about 140 pages in, 150 pages in, and she hasn't said anything yet. Um, I don't know if that happens later, but from the character that I have not saying anything, I feel like, you know, she could come pick up the garbage, you know, give her a little head nod. She'd give a head nod back and we just go about our day. Be nice. And you're like, that's a nice person. You make her some banana bread for, for Christmas. She doesn't (laughs) eat it because she can't take off her mask. And so she drinks everything. That's not actually in the book, but fanfic. (laughs) Drew, who's picking up your garbage? Um, I'm going to go with Owen Lars. Tell us more. Yes, that <laughs> that was not <laughs> elaborate, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about the qualities of a good neighbor, and yeah, I'm married. Doesn't matter. You do that for me, really? Yeah, I'd like that. Who are you talking to? Uh, it's Jake from State Farm. Sounds like a really good deal. Jake from State Farm at three in the morning. Who is this? It's, it's Jake from State Farm. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Uh, khakis. She sounds hideous. Well, she's a guy, so... Another reason more people stay with State Farm. Get to a better state. A good neighbor has got to be someone who you can borrow tools from, who's got everything when you don't have the one thing that you need. And Owen Lars seems to be, like the to me, like he's the guy who's got one of everything. And just enough where you're comfortable borrowing stuff from and going, hey, do you have a, this thing that I need to trim up? Well, I guess he doesn't cut anything in the sand, but... But to have somebody next door who you could go to for help when you need to, but you're not going to have a four-hour-long conversation with them about the it's deep, like dark Wilson recesses of his heart. Home improvement. Yeah, exactly. 
I think I'd, you know, I'd be fine with that until the whole burning of the homestead thing happened. That might be yeah, a little bit concerning, a little but, bit rough, but yeah. But can you? I mean, but you know, Baru, you get Baru at the same time. Yeah, and and how often if your your garbage man's house burns down, your house doesn't burn down? Yeah, I mean, so, there are no houses yeah. that close to each other on Tatooine. They're they're pretty spaced out. Yeah, you'd have lots of land, so you'd be good. You could be you could be sad, but you you don't have to attend the funeral. You just send a card. <laughs> wow. Okay, I wasn't. You don't go that actually. Far. You don't even know until a few weeks later when you realize. <laughs> okay, my my garbage man has changed. They're probably not on vacation. Oh God. <laughs> this is probably not where Neil thought we were going to go. Was this a garbage truck related accident that he got into? No, it was oh, an assassination. <laughs> By fire. Wow. You guys are the dark ones this time. <laughs> you set it up. I thought it was good. He's like a salt of the earth kind of guy. Good. We took it too far. You're, You're good. All, You're great. Lindsay's over here wanting the dreamy man in the cape. You know, come swoop her off her feet or something like that. How'd you Just enough a dose, of him, a dose of him so she can get the early morning fix and then she's good to go. No, no, no. I like to think that I would be the highlight of his morning as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, hello. What have we here? <laughs> you sure Hi, you Lando. Belong, you belong here with us amongst the garbage. Wait, no, that's not what I meant. That's not, that's not how I meant it. All right. Speaking of Lando, let's jump into our Happy Beeps chart of the week that our good friend Bill from over at happybeeps.net uh, set up for us. And... I'm super excited. Guys, spoiler alert for the next episode. We're talking Empire Strikes Back, and Bill's going to be on along with Eve from Unmistakably Star Wars, and I'm super excited. But I just Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. And, of that's course, Mark is joining us. It's going to be a great time. I Honestly, it's getting me through summer school that, that I have that episode. <laughs> teaching. He's teaching it. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what I said. Um, all right. Let's jump into this. So we have uh, Lando Calrissian toys from 1980, which uh, to 2019. So of course, 1980 being the year that Empire Strikes came out. Um, it's kind of divided up into the three different films um, that he appears in, which is Solo: Star Wars Story, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. So out of action figures, bobbleheads, cars, Legos, or plush. I'm giving you the softball, Drew. Gosh. What do you think there's the most Lando merchandise of? Can you repeat the categories for me? Action figures, bobbleheads, cars, Legos, or plushes. I'm going to go action figures. Yeah, of course. It is yeah. it's the action figures. I don't think there's a lot of Lando Calrissian plushies out there. Maybe there's two. No. But... Okay, so there is... One from the or yeah, one from the Kessel Run, and there is one from Cloud City. That's the plushes. Only, the only that's the only plushes. There's two Lando plushes, according to get the out of here. Yeah, I guess people don't want to cuddle up with Lando as much as they say. I'm actually shocked. There's that many. What could they possibly look like? I mean, I feel like um... I feel like they come out with plushes of all the major characters for. Like the new films, like they came out with. I feel like they came out with a like one of Kira and Han and Chewie. Jeez, it's the it's the older one, the yeah. the one from Cloud City that kind of amazes me. All right, so then yeah, that's 
Shocking. So then, we out of it's obviously not plushes. So then, out of bobbleheads, uh, cars, which would be like Hot Wheels and stuff, or Lego. Lindsay, what do you think the the next big one is? Um, I will take bobbleheads. I'm nope. gonna bet Legos. It's Legos, yeah. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, it's not <laughs> even close. Like, and of course, we'll have this chart um, in the show notes and on our Facebook group. And of course, you can go to happybeeps.net to check it out too. Um, so you can kind of look at home with us. But you have about from uh, Solo, you have one Lego set. From Empire, you have about three. Um, and from Jedi, you have about five. Uh, so about 10-ish Lego sets all together. The action figures wow. just blow it out of the water. What I found really interesting is you would think, and you would be right, that the, most of the Lando merchandise came from uh, Cloud City, right, and Empire Strikes Back. But there's yeah. 18 things, 18 Lando... Um, figures, for lack of a better term, that came out um, in the Cloud City location, there's actually 16 from Tatooine. And just that first Whoa. 20 minutes. Yeah, isn't that crazy? When he's in the disguise? When he's the... I guess... I guess Jabba's you have Palace him, yeah, guard. I guess Tantal Screech. You have him in the disguise. You maybe have him not in the disguise. I don't know how you vary that, that character so much, but you're looking at literally I'd like the same amount of action figures. You have 12 versions of Lando from Cloud City, and you have 12 versions from Tatooine. Does the website l link to show you, like, what categories, like, what it, what action figures those are? Like, could you get a list of those 16 uh, figures out of that chart? Uh, not from this chart directly, but there are lists on the site that you can okay. uh, see. Like, you can search the toy. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to it right now. Well, and there's probably there's probably like a number of different series. Like you've got the Power of the Force line. Yeah. And you've got all. Uh, there's a sh probably one from Shadows of the Empire. Well, um, and this chart is putting together like the all the eras. So some of the other ones have like split it into sequel trilogy uh, or, or story group era, original trilogy era, and things like that. This right. is the span of the 39 years that we've had Lando to date. You know what I actually find most surprising. Isn't that they made that many from Tatooine? Figure there had to be some kind of demand there for them to do that. I'm mostly surprised that with the Ewoks and the Battle of Endor and everything else going on in Return of the Jedi, that's where people were like, hey, this is the action figure I want. This is, this is what I want to play with. Well, <laughs> and that's the crazy thing. There were five action figures that came out from Battle of Endor versus 12 that came out for Tatooine. Get out of town. Yeah, so maybe, Drew, I, I think you could be onto something that, you know, because you, you do get the Tatooine setting in the Shadows of the Empire stuff that, you know, because it happens so close. So, yeah, that it's interesting. You know, here's, like here's another thought then, too. I wonder how many of it is actual play sets. Because when yeah, you're doing any yeah, yeah, playset, you're gonna get Lando in for Tatooine. But if you're doing like an Endor-based playset, that's really gonna be more Luke and, um, or I'm sorry, Han and Leia on the ground there. That's a good point. Right. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. And then uh, you know, Cars pulls up in third after that. It's it's 
it's crazy. You, I was kind of expecting more toys with Lando to have come out for Solo a Star Wars Story, because, I guess because of the reaction on the internet um, in the trailers to Lando. I'm like, oh, they're going to capitalize on this. There was only nine versions of Lando that came out for Solo a Star Wars Story versus hmm. you're looking at 19 for Empire Strikes Back, and I'm doing quick math right now. It, tw- wait. 24 that came out for Return of the Jedi. Good grief. So, yeah. Well, I have I have a, one of his from the Home One base conversation, you know, where they're, they're planning the attack, and I do have a Tamtol Screech mm-hmm. in my boxes somewhere. Nice. We'll have to keep an eye on it because I know like nowadays toys don't sell as well as they did um back when the original trilogy was coming out and really star wars kind of launched the action figure craze we'll have to keep an eye as we go through different movies and different characters and see if maybe just less toys are being produced now uh that the demand isn't as high i mean i know when i go to like target Mm -hmm. or you know, uh, Walmart or whatever, I always walk by the Star Wars section, and Star Wars used to have its own aisle, and now it's like, it's there with the WWE stuff, and the Transformers, and it's a whole, <laughs> you know, your, uh, it's cliche to say it, but your boy toys, you know, section. Um, of course, it's not just for boys, but that's kind of where they put it right now, but uh, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. We'll have to keep an eye on that as we yeah. go forward. All right. I'd love to be able to get into like the spreadsheet of information that's behind those charts and just start digging around with applying different filters and whatnot to really dig into it on a granular level. That would be so much fun. Well, I mean, you can do a lot on Happy that's Beach. That's what I was going to say. Just that. Yeah. Filtering options there. I really w- I need to get all my stuff logged in there, like the books. And, and I'm, I'm not really terribly interested in logging the toys that I have because none of them are all that impressive. Um, but definitely when I get my books out of the attic one of these days, I'm going to just make sure that they're all logged in there and start start nailing things down yeah. it'd be so much fun well even and- before you do that though go check out the website even just play around with the filters because you can actually pull a lot of this information from his site can you really oh yeah man. yeah that's what i was gonna say like he's got a whole just so- send me the database file <laughs> <laughs> so like i clicked on just the the toy section and for the filters you have character type character toy category story era stories like it's literally a list of i, w- I would say about 15 different filters that you can apply to it and that's just for the toys that doesn't include the publishing um and then mm. they've got box office stuff it's it's insane how much this like seriously bill messaged me like end of last week and by the beginning of this week he already had this chart like beautifully made and ready to go and it, it's it's ama- i kind of don't want to peek behind the curtain because i like just being amazed with how crazy awesome this site is and i'm not just saying that because they're (laughs) friends of the show but it's like you know we're all like nerds like that and we want to know the minutiae of it and so it's really exciting to play around i'm gonna now that i'm getting to actual summer break i'm gonna start logging all my new canon books into into there see what i'm still missing because my dog likes to eat my hardback books which is great He, he's but, but he's so cute. He deserves them. He, what? No, you can get a new dog. These books are going to not be in print forever. <laughs> you monster. Well, all right. So we're going to be having applications <laughs> on the Star Wars uh, Clashing Sabers community Facebook group to take Drew's spot. 
And while we go look for that co-host, we are going to take a quick break <laughs> and then come back and talk about <laughs> the man, the cape, the, yet. the legend. I'm sorry, am I interrupting anything? Mm. Not really. Mm. You look absolutely beautiful. You truly belong here with us among the clouds. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Would you join me for a little refreshment? Mm. Everyone's invited, of course. You're having trouble with your droid? No. No problem. Why? small enough not to be noticed, which is advantageous for everybody since uh, our customers are anxious to avoid attracting attention to themselves. Aren't you afraid the Empire is going to find out about this little operation? Shut you down? It's always been a danger, but it looms like a shadow over everything we've built here. But things have developed that'll ensure security. I've just made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever. All right, and we are back, and we are talking about Lando Calrissian, and this episode idea came from Lindsay. And Lindsay, you said you wanted to discuss one topic in particular, which is what? I really want you guys to help me make up my mind about Lando Calrissian, because I've been a big, big, big fan for 20 years now, and this is still the one thing I've always been on the fence about is what do I personally make of Lando? You know, as a kid, it was always, and I've never really grown out of this, like, yeah, he's so cool. And like I was saying before, when I want him to pick up my garbage, he seems like such (laughs) a cool guy and so easy to get along with and someone you could really just kick back with for the day and have a ton of fun. But you never really trust him. And no matter how many stories we get about him, whether it's movies, there's a few, there's actually a couple of great comic book miniseries and yeah. one issue of the comics and different books. It's always the same exact thing. He seems like such a cool guy. And I think he's well-intentioned. In fact, I know he is well-intentioned. I still just don't trust him. And I need someone to really help me either say for sure at the end of this, I love Lando or he's not for me. So it's Lando therapy here on the Clashing Sabres podcast. So the way I thought we would approach this is kind of go through uh, the the film and TV show appearances of Lando. And then, of course, we can pull in the the comics and stuff as applicable. Um, Drew, have you read the two Lando comics? No, I have not. Okay, they they are definitely wah, wah. <laughs> they're worth your time. Um, I, I'm not the biggest comics fan, so it takes something pretty good. I mean, I read it all mostly just so because I'm a nerd like that and I want to know it all. But in terms of like actually like seeking out something, it's very rare that I'm like, yes, I need to get this now. And Lando was was one of those things. Um, so let's start with Solo. Because he was kind of a big deal coming into the film. And I think for the most part, 
he met expectations, but I think some people may have been let down because I think the expectation of Lando in the film was for him to, to exceed any expectations that we could have had, which, of course, is a catch-22. So I guess, Drew, you are the strongest critic of, uh, of, of Solo. Where do you come down on Lando in, in that film? Boy, that's tough. Um, most of w- the way I consider the character has to do with how I, I view him from the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi first. Being the first impression of the character, I think it, it kind of builds a better baseline. His character in Solo is tough because he's a lot more slippery and a lot more uh, self-focused is not really the right way to say it. But only by comparison can I properly try to explain what we're doing. I think in Empire, when he's in charge of Cloud City, he's got these responsibilities and he's truly looking out for the city. He's looking out for the people who live there, the people who work there, and the people who really count on him. To keep things moving. But in Solo, he doesn't have that kind of level of responsibility. He's just a man out for himself. He doesn't have anybody else that he's taking care of. And it's a very different personality, which is fine. Obviously, there's 10 years between Solo and A New Hope, which everybody knows. And then another couple (laughs) years after that to Empire. So you're looking at 13 years where, where certainly a lot of life change can occur. So having two different personalities makes perfectly good sense. I think his best contributions in Solo are when he absolutely cannot stand Han. Um, He purposefully mispronounces his name because it drives Han nuts. Um, When Han is in the middle of making his speech to Emphis Nest and, and the gang about the 30 marauders and the hired guns that are on that ship. And all he's got to do is give them the signal and they'll come swarming. And then of course the ship takes off. (laughs) (laughs) That is top two moment. That is definitely my top two moments out of that film. Um, But that kind of like, Oh man, I don't I'm not even sure how you, how you really describe it because he seems in these in solo, um, more like a function of the film than a character in himself. Like he's there to provide those moments of straight man comedy to Hans over eager. Um, I can do anything. I, and self-assured cockiness and brash naivete. And, and later just not that way. He's much more like, I'm going to have to sneak and cheat and lie and swindle my way out of things because that's all I've got. So he's not, the same kind of character that we get later on in the films, but I don't think that makes him any less appealing in solo. I think in the film itself, he's probably the most endearing character. He's the person I like the most, maybe just because I like him the most often. A lot of the other characters don't really do it for me, but there are some, there are some good moments there. Brandon, I don't know. How do you, how do you reconcile trying to come at Lando in the solo film all by itself? Well, I mean, a, I mean, that's next to impossible, which I, I completely understand. But I think the the point of that beginning scene with the introductory scene with him playing Sabak is to tell you that he's been doing this for a while. It's to create that history so that you know that you're not supposed to look at him in a vacuum. Uh, and if you go to the Lando Double or Nothing comic, the character is very, very consistent with what we get in Solo. And I think you made a good point there that it almost is two different characters um, that you get between Solo era 
and Empire Strikes yeah. Back. So I guess the question I have, and Lindsay, I'm going to throw this to you, does what happens in Solo, because in like Double or Nothing and uh, books like Lando's Luck and things that happen prior to Solo, Lando kind of always ends up in the you know in the positive he he wins everything and this movie he pretty much loses everything he gets nothing out of the coaxium deal he loses the millennium falcon like nothing good happens to lando uh he loses <laughs> l3 in here so do you think that what happens in solo humbles lando and could be part of the reason he eventually settles down and takes the lead at cloud city i have trouble with that thought because at no point in Solo do we then necessarily feel bad for him. I think Solo mm-hmm. is actually the only time that we don't understand that there are some, with the exception of when we first get that twist in Empire Strikes Back. Um, but Solo is the only true time that we know he doesn't have the best of intentions. You know, we're introduced when he is just cheating at this card game. He's trying to constantly get out of this deal and, He's he's never once doing what's right for anyone other than him in Solo. So it's really hard to empathize with him there. So to say that, you know, just because he, in reality, just had a bad day, he is now justified for everything else that we see in the original trilogy. Well, no, I don't think his bad, uh, bad time with Han in Solo justifies the betraying i think we'll we'll come more to that later but do, do you think maybe it has an impact on him actually staying out of smuggling and and becoming this administrate basically being on the straight and narrow maybe he realizes all right maybe i've lost something or you know the game is past me kind of thing no i don't think it really did have that much of an effect on him um, I th- I would say that's a pretty big leap to make. We don't see any signs either when we first meet him or when we last see him that he's had any kind of change of heart in Solo. It really is. He is a fly character. Drew, I think you said it really well that he is there just to serve as something else for Han, not to necessarily be his own character in that movie. Yeah. I definitely think that he he lacks the kind of warmth that he has a lot of in Empire and, and Jedi. And in, in, I think by comparison in Solo, it just feels cold because you know, like you had said, Lindsay, you know he's cheating. You know he's dishonest. Like you don't have to take Han's word. Like when we first meet him in Empire, all we have to go on is Han's word that he's a gambler, a smuggler, and a scoundrel. I mean, none of that is necessarily the same thing as what we first meet him in Solo, where he's he's a cheater and a liar and, a, you know, you know, trying to just lie in his pocket. So those two things kind of stand in, com- in contrast to me. And I don't, like you had said, I don't know if there's anything that they've added to his biography in between those two films that would really kind of explain that. Well, let's go to to that because the the next thing that we get that happens between these two films is his appearances in Rebels, which is a lot closer to the original trilogy era. Lando co- comes up a couple times throughout the series, and to me, he's kind of that wild card that gets the ghost crew out of trouble when it's like an impossible situation. They're like, who should we call? Let's call Lando. And of course, Hera doesn't want to call Lando because she's the smartest among them. Uh, <laughs> Drew, having just finished Rebels recently, uh, did you 
first of all, did you like Lando's appearances in the film or in the in the show? In the show, well, doesn't he appears definitely in season one? But I'm drawing a blank as if if, if he really occurs in any other episodes. Is he ever back in two or three? Four? He's not in three or four, I don't think. But any more in two that I'm forgetting? He comes up uh, at least two other times. Um, okay, there, there's the the introductory episode with them, and then of uh, when they're escaping Lothal on. Uh, I'm blanking. I, I think it's. Isn't I think it it's season episode. Yeah, it, I think it's season three when they're escaping Lothal to go formally join the rebellion, and uh, he puts out those um, sensors to trick the empire. So he at least gets him out there. Okay. And there's a lot of mentions of him too. Yeah. Yeah. Not, he's he's not even by name, but you know, Ezra will allude to him. He's yeah. He definitely ex- exists more in the dialogue than he does in the. I think his his appearances were okay they're they're not my favorite because he's again playing that same kind of lovable scoundrel role which there are other characters in the same show that i think do it better um like hondo anaka does a really plays that role very well because he's a lot of fun he just doesn't exist in the same kind of way that the rest of those characters do and that makes him more interesting and more appealing um I think the guy, the Deveronian, is named Visago. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. He is a really fun character because he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, he knows the role he is playing is neither good nor evil. And he's totally comfortable in that position. Whereas I think the show wants us to believe Lando is a good guy. And uh, it's really hard for me to kind of to make that solid connection because again he's playing the same role that hondo and visago are playing but they know that they're not good guys too they might team up from time to time but they don't they're they're not sold and committed to the rebellion and neither is lando but then why does this show sell him like he's on the same level as the actual heroes in the show well does that make sense yeah and my problem with lando is in that introductory episode where you get him and he's on the ghost ship, he's a grown man and he's hitting on Sabine. And I don't care about like excuses like he was trying to get under Ezra's skin or divide the ghost crew. It's just wrong and it makes me feel gross and I don't like it. <laughs> um, and I, I honestly would have given up having Lando in the show completely just to not have those those few scenes because it really does sour me on the character just overall because you to an extent you're taking away Sabine's agency because I feel like she's a character would be like dude this I mean he's 20 something year old man 28 29 and she's like 16 oh now we got to figure out when Lando was born hang right? on <laughs> it, um yeah it's it's just very problematic for me Lindsay where do you come down on Lando and Rebels um I've always felt like his episodes while I enjoy them we're just so fan service mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, we didn't necessarily need it. And I totally agree. It really skewed me out how he acted towards Sabine. Um, definitely grossed me out there. But overall, it's just, I didn't, I didn't get his purpose in it. It was always a fun episode, but he never, same thing as, Solo, especially, he never does anything really out of the goodness of his heart. It's always so purely self-motivated. Characters don't really learn anything substantial from him that I can remember. 
Um, and it really just is, you know, a fun, hey, look, we put Lando in because we heard you guys like him moment. <laughs> well, and yes, I completely agree with you there. And I think another issue with it is we don't need to the the smuggler with the heart of gold is is a part of Star Wars, right? But we don't need to go back in time and see that they've all been good guys all along and it just took a while for it to come out of them. Like I'm okay with thinking they're a scoundrel and then they just have a change of heart. I don't need like that's one of my things with Solo. I hate the good guy part. You're the good guy. Like I don't need I'm not yeah, a Yeah, that seems really I, hard. I don't to need you to to just say it for me and the, the difference is if you look at like Kylo Ren and I think going back and seeing him as a little kid and, and Han's interactions with him and, and seeing him as a baby kind of softens you on the character a little bit so you can lean more into the redemption arc. You can see the human behind the, the hate. Whereas Lando, I'm just like, okay, yeah, you're the exact same character you were in in Empire Strikes Back except him helping the uh, the ghost crew doesn't really add anything to his character. It doesn't make me trust him anymore when we get to Empire Strikes Back because I already have Return of the Jedi. So I know he turns around. I know he helps them get off Cloud City. So it just seemed... It's one thing Especially in Rebels that was because like useless. That's the one character that we really need to see that growth. You know, by comparison, we have uh, Leia's appearance in rebels and that felt much more natural obviously for the course of the show it's about the early days of the rebel alliance of course leia is going to be in there it felt like that episode did her character a lot of justice because we didn't need to see that growth if you're going to have lando that early on it needs to help us put those pieces together and instead it just felt like you you really dragged out the same exact character where now, you know, 10, 10 or so years later in Empire Strikes Back, it's like, this Jamoke is the same exact guy he was. Yeah. And what's the point of, of seeing it that early? It just... And I think also... I, I mean, I think, personally, I've just never been a huge Lando fan. Um, I, I've just... Not that I dislike him. I just never connected with him on any level. Um, and so... It wasn't as exciting for me as seeing like Leia come into Rebels or things mm-hmm. like that. So let's jump to to the big one, which is Empire. Um, and I just watched this. Well, I watched it twice last week um, in prep wow. for our Empire Strikes Back episode. Yeah, Summer's nice like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and one thing I noticed that I, I had never realized before is how adamant Leia is about not trusting Lando. It comes up a lot. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, a lot. And, of course, you know, Leia is like her mom. She was right. Uh, Drew, when you first get Lando in Empire Strikes Back, did you trust him? Like, before before everything, did you trust him? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Really? Like, I think that his introduction there on the landing platform is a great part of that film. I think it's one of the highlights, the way in which he comes in and he starts off like that angry, you know, after what you pulled, I think is a great way to start it off because it catches Han off guard. Han goes in trying to be all buddy, buddy. And it turns out that Lando's furious with him, but we don't understand why. And then he flips the script on him and, and it puts everybody on their heels a little bit and it throws you off your game, but it makes you pay attention to him. 
And it, he feels so genuinely warm in those few moments that I don't know how you, how you not trust him. I mean, C-3PO is always kind of like the audience uh, surrogate. You know, that's kind of one of the roles that he plays. And I think he, he vocalizes very clearly that, oh, this is a nice person. We like him. He's fun. Now, it's manipulation by the storytellers. That's the point. But I think it's done very convincingly. And, but you compare that to like his introduction in Solo, where you see him at the at the table playing cards. You don't get that same kind of warmth. You have cockiness. You have everything you've heard about me is true. It's like, whoa, okay, slow your roll, dude. Um, so I think it, it it's so well done. I think Billy D. Williams is what had an amazing uh, performance in both this and Empire and in Return of the Jedi, and that maybe what is what sells it the most for me is the fact that he's so convincing and he's so good when he needs to be. Um, that opening sequence is great. And I, you know, even as a, when I was a kid, obviously you don't see these things coming, but even as an adult, when you watch it and you're like, that turn comes at the dining room table and you're like, Oh, that really hurts, man. That hurts. But on the other hand, you kind of understand from his perspective why he felt he had to do what he did. At least yeah. I did. Well, we'll come back to that because you, you touched on Solo there. And the last time that we see Lando and Han together canonically, as far as we have right now, is when Han wins the Falcon from him. So yeah. at least for me, when he's like the what with what you pulled, that he's talking about that that end scene of Solo, right? We don't have anything beyond sure. that that we know for certain. So then my question is, why does Han even think that Lando will actually help him? Well, I think it's kind of this is the problem of doing movies out of order. Like the way those two characters reconnect at the end of Solo in that epilogue is strategically designed to mirror and invert their their uh, meeting on Cloud City. You know, it's almost line for line the same thing. It's just we, they flip the names of the performers. That's it. Um, and that's what that scene was. To me, it looks like that scene was written so they could have that moment, so they could flip those things, as opposed to writing a, a scene that is more natural. In because they know they had to get the Falcon out of Lando's hands and into Hans, they know that it had to be done through a Sabat game, and it didn't do it through the first Sabat game because that was that was a nice little bit of inverted expectations. But they still had to make sure it happened it's in some way, shape, or form. So they took advantage of that and crafted the scene that they wanted to see as opposed to a scene that the story may have dictated otherwise. So I think the reason that the epilogue in Solo falls a little bit short for me is because it's more done out of necessity in order to connect the films than it is a more naturalistic, a more uh, fluid storytelling apparatus. Again, that's me putting my film critic snob hat on. Um, so... I've kind of lost the original question overall <laughs> at this point. <laughs> no, I, I, but I think you bring up some good points because that was one of one of my issues with Solo is I would have been perfectly fine if they didn't give us that end scene. And you're like, wait a minute. We need the story of how Han got the Falcon. And I don't know. See, that's really tough because if that if they had did that and ended Solo with Lando flying off into the distance and that's all you get until you watch A New Hope. I think many, many people, myself included, would have been like, wait a minute, you are missing a major story step here. And you had the opportunity to take it and you didn't. And we don't understand why. Well, yeah. And, and I think even more than having Han get the Falcon, I think you need that end scene of him and Chewie flying together in the Falcon, heading off yeah. to Tatooine. So... 
I I do like the scene. I don't necessarily like that it doesn't fit as seamlessly into the story. It's like its own little epilogue. Um, and it just kind of, it feels separate, um, from the actual story itself. But, but yeah, I see the purpose of it. All right. Yeah. I, I wonder if just, just before, and I know we got, we've already done the solo rewatch, so I don't want to try and rehash everything in there, except for maybe one or two more things that might come up later. But I feel like if Star Wars ever wanted to do a post scene or post credits scene or a mid credits scene, that's where this one should have been. Yeah. Um, like if they had put it, after the first like couple minute or two of the credits so that way it was completely separate from the rest of the storyline that would have been a little bit more rewarding i think marvel really captured the the market on how to do those kinds of things effectively and if they were ever going to do it in star wars that would have been the perfect place to do it well i think they needed to have it at the end there though to make it that feel good summer movie where you leave on that really high note but couldn't you Mm, have that's true I think you could have ended the movie, have a mid-credit scene of the Sabacc game, and then take the the scene of Han and Chewie flying the Falcon and make that the end credit scene. You know, so like the last thing you see when you're leaving the theater is Han and Chewie mm-hmm. flying off to Tatooine. Yeah, and then you, there could have been some re- reconstruction there, some reorganization yeah. that may have worked. Uh, you know, none of us are are movie makers, so we'll <laughs> never know, and that's okay. You know, yeah, we're just it's you like, know Tuesday morning quarterbacking here. Well, and and I mean. Seriously, in the scope of things, like, I do like it. It just kind of feels, you know, sometimes yeah. things just feel kind of off, which... I have way bigger concerns with other parts of that movie. <laughs> <besides that. laughs> well, w- with things kind of feeling off, that's that's the feeling I always had with Lando as a kid watching the movie. Uh, just like, mm, I'm not quite sure exactly what his intention is. Um, Lindsay, where did you come down on Lando kind of when you were first watching these movies? Um, I would say confused is probably the word, <laughs> especially word. while doing it. At She's still there. Range. I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay has not grown up at all. Ask me again in an hour. Um, <laughs> um, Drew, I think you're spot on with when we first meet him. He is so warm and he brings Han into this great hug and he, he jokes around the same exact way you would joke around with your friends. And it seems so obvious at first, even with Leia's warnings, like, of course I should trust him. Look, look how nice he is. He's so cool. And then we flip the to the part where, spoiler alert, he betrays Han and he's going for Luke. He pairs with Darth Vader. And now he's in that prison cell with Han and Leia. And he's there and it sounds like he's begging. And he's like, I swear I didn't know. I never would have done this. And while, yes, Billy D does such a great job selling that warm, charismatic, friendly guy, maybe it's just his acting choices. But I never really bought that begging scene where he's there going, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I wouldn't have done this. That never really sat correctly with me. And in some ways, for some odd reason I can't put my finger on, it still doesn't. And I still yeah. don't know how sincere that scene ever was. Well, I oh, think I- we have the context of the rest of the film that we kind of judge Lando off of. And that's why... That scene in particular is is not about whether 
Lando made a right or wrong choice. Because by that point, we know it was a wrong choice because of the outcome, but we're judging it off of that outcome, not the information that he had going into it. But does he know? We as the audience know, of course he made the wrong choice. But does he ever really understand that he made the... Or does he care to understand that he made the wrong choice? I think he does. I just... I guess I'm stumped on uh, the calling it a begging scene because I've never really felt it like begging. See, I always kind of felt that Han and Lando were more acquaintances than friends, which is one thing that kind of threw me off of having them more buddy-buddy post-Return of the Jedi. Um, and, and it's like... It's like when you make a coworker mad or something like that. You do something wrong and... You try to apologize and they just don't want to accept it. And you're like, well, you work on a different floor than me anyways. So like, <laughs> I did I did what I could do. I said my apology. I've given everything I could give. If you're not going to forgive me, you know, I have bigger concerns. And that's where I kind of always felt with Lando. So for me, the question is not so much was he right or wrong, but was he justified in his choice? In, well, so here's the issue that I think think maybe a lot of people had it, I don't know. Um, when we look at the trilogy and the saga as a whole, and we understand where he ended up, and we know that, all right, in Return of the Jedi, he tries to atone for those sins. He really does try to make it up. He does what's right by the Rebels. He does what's right by Han and Leia. And he seems remorseful, we never really get that in Empire Strikes Back alone. So when you watch that movie just on its own, I think it's a very different experience of that scene, especially than when you watch it as a whole, especially like you said, considering his entire relationship with Han afterwards. You can look at Empire and see kind of the way he does evolve because the scene, I think you're talking about the one where he's in the security tower after Han's been kind of tortured for a little bit. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. From Okay, because right before that is when Vader says to Boba Fett, you know, you can take him to Jabba the, Jabba the Hutt and he's all yours. And Lando stands up and says, hey, this was not part of the deal. And, and Vader is changing the terms of the agreement there. That's where, Han, or where Lando gets that awesome line, this deal's getting worse all the time. Like, he realizes in that moment that he's made a deal with the devil and this is going to go south. The reason he goes to the prison cell is to tell them is to tell Han and Leia and Chewbacca what's going to happen and how he's going to try and get them out. He's mm-hmm. trying to break them out in that moment to not necessarily make up for what he did to Han, but in order to, uh, um, but more so to thwart the plans of Vader and Fett. So I think he's in there. He's not necessarily signing onto the rebellion in that moment. I think that comes later on. But even in the film, he gets Leia out. He gets Chewie out. He even goes back and, and rescues Luke as he's hanging off the weather vane from the bottom of Cloud City, and he commits to to rescuing Han um, from Jabba's palace. So I think within the last, you know, that third act of the film, we do see him go from the the warm uh, you know, host who meets his old friend on the platform to the betrayal and turning him over, but then instantly wishing that he had not done it and realizes that selling him out is not going to accomplish his original goal. His original goal was to keep the Empire off of Cloud City forever. And when he, and when Vader says he's going to leave a garrison there, he realizes that Vader's not willing to uphold his end of the deal anymore, and, and therefore Lando's just got to get out of there. 
And his best ticket out is the only ship that he knows is going to be able to outrun the entire rest of the Death Squadron that's standing out in Bespin's atmosphere. Well, the problem I have is him, obviously, I mean, making the deal in the first place is an issue, but he had a whole city to look after and, of course, his own life. And like we said, how close is he really to Han? Like, who's he really protecting? But the problem I have is he he has to know how terrible the Empire is. And if he just didn't think about it, just ignored it, that's negligence. And well, of course he knew. He knew exactly how, how bad that he wants them out. He never wanted them to set foot on Cloud City. But the problem is they arrived right before Han and Leia did. So what was he going to do? Refuse to turn them over? And then what would Vader do? He'd just sink all of Cloud City. He just opened fire on it and they'd all die. So it wasn't exactly like he had. He was in a, a, a position to strike an actual bargain. He's saving his lives, but he's not really saving their lives. He's just delaying their destruction. So he has to take that opportunity to make up for it and get out, which is why he, he makes the call to have Cloud City evacuated, too. He knows what, that this is not a good situation. and the, the Empire's just shown up on his doorstep and he's got to do something. Because if he does nothing, they're all dead anyway. Okay, so then if he tries to to help rescue Han, which he does, um, but if, if he fails to get help get Leia and everyone out of there, and things go very differently for him, basically if he doesn't become a hero in the end of it, does that change your opinion of the choices that he made? If he doesn't make it out um, i'm a little confused about your premise so you're saying so should we presume a world in which they cannot escape cloud they city don't, yeah they don't escape cloud city things I, you can take it wherever you want they they keep them detained there or you know vader kills them or what whatever the the case may be but if lando fails at actually executing on trying to fix his mistake does that change how we feel about him well, yeah, probably. I'd say 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got to think about, too, one of the things we learned from the Aftermath books is that um, Lobot stays in control of Cloud mm. City after Lando abandons ship because he's the only person left that knows how to function it. But he functions underneath Imperial occupation. So the Empire did stick around. They kept that in their pocket, you know, continuing to mine Tabana Gasp, presumably. So the only difference there would have been that if they didn't get off, if Le if Vader was able to capture Leia, I guess that's probably the trick. If Vader is able to capture Leia, I guess, and Luke at the same time, boy, what a coup that is. Um, then Lando probably maintains control of Cloud City just under Imperial occupation. So he does save the lives of his, of his citizenry in that. So he's traded the lives of two, three people, four, four people, two of whom he did not even know. Um, yes, he dooms the rest of the galaxy, but does he really know that? Is he really responsible for that? I don't know about that. That's That maybe is a bridge too far. No, okay, wait. Stay on that bridge, though. I like this bridge. Um, <laughs> don't, don't blow the bridge up. I think it's that. That might actually be why I don't like Lando. I think it's because he makes choices that are so far out of his scope of control and scope of knowledge. And he's so arrogant that he doesn't care. And that probably makes him one of the most dangerous characters in the galaxy. 
Oh man, I, here's I feel like you're stretching uh, on that a lot because you're talking about a guy who's responsible for thousands of beings, and that's his world. He doesn't really care about the galaxy at large because he's able to make money no matter who's in control, whether it's the Republic, the Empire, or the New Republic. So he's only focused, even if you t- maintain kind of some of the personality that he has in the solo st- solo Star Wars story. Boy, that's a complicated name. Is is that that self preservation? That is probably what pushes him harder than any other characteristic that he possesses. And I don't think that's an. Well, I was going to say it's, it's not unreasonable. It may not be admirable, but it's probably more realistic. I mean, it's understandable. To, yeah, it's. I think it's a lot more human. It's a lot more relatable because to to kind of personalize it you're talking about if someone puts a gun to my head and says it's your family family's lives or the citizens of x country which which, which do i kill i mean there's that's literally what sophie's choice is about <laughs> to reference other movies that's exactly what that film is about is making the choice between two horrible horrible decisions what do you do and how do you live with that you know there is not always a third way out and sometimes we look for it and that's what I think Lando finds here because he's able to make sure that Leia is not captured. He avoids that fate for her. Han is not killed, although he's given to the bounty hunter, but he does sign up for the rescue team. And then Luke makes it out alive too. So it's a ser- it's a conflict of events, but I mean, I-, I still don't think that he, it's not a good decision he had to make by making the deal with Vader but I, I don't think it's fair to call it the wrong decision. Does that does that make I you a terrible would person? Say, <laughs> no, I, I think that something you said that was interesting was he he looks for that third decision. You know, if he doesn't like the first, he looks for the third. All too often that we've seen so far, he has to look for that third option too often. You know, and and I know um, Drew, you haven't read the comics. But there is. Hey, hey, hey! Neither has Brandon. Okay, let's. Yeah, (laughs) I have read all the Lando comics. Excuse you. All two. Oh, have you read the Age of Rebellion one? Okay, I haven't read all of them. Fine. Can I can I spoil it a little bit? Go for it. All of you accepted. All right. (laughs) All right. I don't want to spoil it too much because it is good, and I hope you guys do read it. But the premise of this one is when he's on Cloud City. He's not able to pay the wages for a lot of his workers. And, and yeah, and it really is him just being a less than perfect administrator. I don't want to say leader because he looks for that third option. First thing he does is try and tap into his own personal wealth to be able to pay these other guys, which is great. Great move, Lando. Really starting to like you coming around. Turns out he's had to do, do that too many times and he doesn't have any personal <laughs> funds left. So it's like, okay, you're, you're trying, you're just not good at this. Maybe at some point we should admit we're not good at this and let someone else step in and give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. but he then goes on this big adventure with, uh, how can he quickly get these funds? He needs to take kind of, you know, once again, one last smuggling run. Um, and we get the impression this isn't his one last run for quite some time now. Um, <laughs> but he he has the option then on this mission between right or wrong. He's really bothered by some of the things that he sees. And once again, though, he ends up having to create that third option. And just 
it's it's I think that comic book, that issue is the perfect example of Lando where now that we know him, we understand, yeah, heart of gold, good guy, good intentions at this point. When we meet him in Solo, I don't think it's good intentions. But right now, right before Empire Strikes Back and even during Empire Strikes Back and after, good intentions, all good. But he just lets himself get so desperate and he doesn't have all the information he needs and he's not the most effective person. I know he brags to Han and Leia about what a great administrator he is, but maybe he's just not. And maybe he's not as great as he thinks he is. And he's always having to dig himself out of these holes. And we think that he's such a great character, or not character, such a great person and such a great leader because he's able to dig himself out of situations that he shouldn't have been in in the first place. Hmm. Well, and he mentions when they're walking in the hallway there that he's had labor issues. and had supply problems of every kind. Yeah. Labor dis- oh, I love that part. <laughs> I... Ah, yes, banality. I, I think, yeah, I think, Lindsay, you're on to something, is that maybe the the big issue is Lando isn't as good as he thinks he is. You know, where, like, when Han brags, Han messes things up, but then he always ends up winning in the end. So you're like, all right, you know, you kind of you kind of earn it. You, when you get, like, Hera talking about being a great pilot, even though she's not cocky about it, you you see her fly and you're like okay she's you know even Poe Dameron you know he's like saying talking about being the best pilot in the galaxy well I mean look at the beginning of The Last Jedi he's a pretty damn good pilot but Lando is kind of like he falls short of his ideals of himself um, and that creates a lot of a lot of issues yeah but I think Han falls into that same trap like the character in A New Hope abandons the rebellion in their actual hour of need and if we continue if we kind of keep the same approach of like what happens if things had gone the opposite direction would we still appreciate this character he leaves like at yavin 4 and if he doesn't come back that's it vader kills luke the death stars remains yavin 4 is blown up and the empire reigns for all time so i I think that lando is structured specifically in empire strikes back to become the new han solo because you know harrison ford one of the character killed off that's what they were thought they were going to be able to do so he was going to fill that kind of a role so i thought it was structured very similar to the guy who's looking out for himself um he can play along when he absolutely must but he's his his primary concern is is number one and in the end he turns around and 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 is willing to save the heroes and push them forward in order to get, accomplish their goals. Like it's very similar. Like maybe it's maybe it's too broad of a structure to compare the two of them together. But I think that's done sp- strategically. I think that's a very purposeful de- uh, dis- decision that was made. Well, yeah, and and a lot of it, a, a lot of the creation of Lando. Period was they weren't sure what they were going to do with Han in Carbonite and whether Harrison Ford was even going to come back for right. for the last movie. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're onto something there. One of the interesting observations I made, and I don't know if it really matters in the bigger scope of things, but when we first get Lando in uh, Solo, his companion is a droid that is trying to become more human, if you will. And when we get him in Empire Strikes Back with Lobot, we have his companion is a human who is becoming more of a droid. <laughs> I don't know. It's just an interesting observation that I made uh, while, while watching the films, because um, I watched Solo today, too. So, 
All right. So we all kind of come down in, in, in different places in Lando's uh, actions in Cloud City. But at the end of the day, things went to Pudu. That can't really be can't really be debated. There is hope at the end of Empire Strikes Back, but of course, it's the darker middle story of the trilogy. So the the big question I have, and Lindsay, I want to hear your thoughts on this first. Is Lando redeemed in Return of the Jedi? And for that matter, for his overall story, do you care about his redemption? Um, I do care about his redemption in the way that I care about everything Star Wars. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> I think if you're going to give us this character, you got to see it all the way through. And having a very well-rounded story arc is important and it feels satisfying do I buy it in Return of the Jedi? I have to say I still don't. Um, you know, it just seems incredibly fast. I've always been in that school of thought of how did this guy who just sold out Princess Leia and the guy that they were trying to get to stay on as a general, how how did he sell them out? And just because he sticks around for a few months and tries to reverse his mistake, the rebellion is suddenly like, hey, you're a general too now. <laughs> it was his uh, maneuver at the Battle of Tanab, obviously. But it's just no. It's- <laughs> Lindsay is not buying it. No, I am not. I'm not. It See, just seems. I don't think he so needs a quick. full like. I don't think he needs a full resolution of a character arc. He's a, he's a, a side character. He's he's that second tier. Chewbacca doesn't have an arc that he goes on. He's he's Chewbacca from the moment you meet him to the moment we're done with him. I mean, he's the same all the way through. And I feel like at least Lando gets a little bit of growth in empire. But by the time he gets to return of the Jedi, he's on the team. He's, you know, he's, he's Lando. He's general Calrissian. I mean, it's what he does. He flies with nine numb and changes it to gold late gold one. It's, you leave it's Lando fine. alone, it's, you it's, mean it's lady. Fine. It's fun. It's great. Good for him. But he doesn't need that. F- or he hasn't earned that full redemption yet. You know, if if the rebellion is going to trust him enough to fly the, those missions, great. He's a good pilot. Do what you got to. Hmm. But to me, his his redemption in Return of the Jedi feels very unearned. I don't think there's any re- redemption that occurs in Return of the Jedi, though. Like, oh, there's no, there's no, there's no villainous side to him in that story. By the time Empire Strikes Back ends, he is converted. Like, he is a member of the team at the end of that film. Like, that's the point of like the whole "We'll meet you on Tatooine" se- sequence well, from the Nebulan B frigate is to say he's he he's literally flying the Falcon again. But to us, that's Han's chair. So he's playing the same role as Han does. And Han's so clothes. Chewbacca, yeah, yeah, and Han's <laughs> vests and whatnot. You're right. Which, if you think about it, was probably his to begin with. Um, but Luke trusts him. Uh, Chewbacca trusts him. And if those two characters aren't the epitome of you know the lawful good uh, character alignments in this film, I don't know who is. So if somebody wants to pitch to me there's a redemption arc in Return of the Jedi, I think you got to make your case. Those are solid points, and I'm going to have trouble making a case against no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think... Ladies and gentlemen of the Jedi. You Jerry. have clashed the final saber. <laughs> if the glove does not fit, let him wear a vest. I think that's a good point, because for me... 
considering it a redemption always felt kind of shallow because it's in the same film that you get the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. And of course, yeah, you know, growing up, in, yeah, growing up, especially growing up with the prequels, you know, the redemption of Anakin Skywalker becomes an even bigger deal. It's not just, you know, Luke saving his dad and, and ending the empire and all that stuff, but you add a whole nother layer on top of it, which just kind of, I guess, buries Lando's story a little bit more um, in terms of emotion. So considering it a redemption has always felt, like I said, kind of shallow to me. So I think you make some really good points there. I thought, I thought it was mostly just because I don't care about Lando that much and I, I don't connect with him that much. But I think the, the idea that by the end of Empire Strikes Back, he's already on the team is, is much more accurate. All right, so let's, let's jump to, to the future, to Rise of Skywalker, because, of course, Lando is going to be in this film. Um, uh, we the, don't know that for sure. Let's be careful with what we say. <laughs> okay. Lando has been advertised to be in this film. There uh, we go. And the prevailing theory is that he's being brought in, brought in because of the, the quote-unquote lack of legacy characters, which I adamantly disagree with. Um, because even though we don't have Carrie, Leia is going to be in this film. Luke's still going to be in this film. I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form to see Han um, in some kind of flashback in this film. I there's so many so many things that they could do. And so I think they're very aware of bringing him in and they're not just bringing him in to be like, hey, you remember Lando? You like that guy? Come to the theater. So considering considering that, what do you think they're going to do with this story? And for that matter, do we care? Drew, <laughs> I'm going to throw it to you first because you oh, have more it. passionate feelings on Lando. Well, it's not Convince that I'm necessarily... I'm not necessarily more passionate defender. It's just I feel like we've got to all play with the same rules here. So we've all seen the classic trilogy a thousand times. So I don't want to I want to make sure we at least read the material that's there is is my only point there. As for Rise, I have no idea what happens or why he comes back. I'm really glad that he does because I think it's a lot of fun. I don't have a reason why not to. Um, I don't think that limiting it to just an appeal as a legacy character is a very fair um, description uh, or motives rather for his inclusion as a character in the story. I feel like that's a pretty cheap and pessimistic um, view of the creative team. So I can imagine where you heard that from. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, cause I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, like they're not just going to have... bring him in accidentally just you have Star Wars Episode Nine, the end of the Skywalker saga. You don't need Lando Calrissian to sell your movie. Yeah, that's the thing is he's not a Skywalker. Um, right. He doesn't have an association with the family at this point. And, um, he he. I, I, the only thing I can really think of is he, in the older, in the expanded universe, during the New Jedi Order series of books, where he's much more a, a weapons dealer. He's kind of an arms merchant, where he designs droids. Um, that are ultra powerful, and he builds them to protect Han and Leia's kids for them when the Yuzen Vong invade. And he's much more uh, just a family friend. Like I, I'm fairly confident he has a family of his own that he cares for with a you know a wife and child. So he's kind of the same settled down individual that, well, maybe not exactly the same as Han and Leia are in those series of books. They're a little bit different, but. He, he has much less of an active role, but he's still a presence there. 
but I don't think he's a necessary component in the Skywalker saga, which is what these films are still being billed as is a resolution to the family. And I, unless they're going to tie him into more of Ben Solo's upbringing, maybe Ben went on some cross galaxy adventures with uncle Lando. I don't know. Well, and I'm not, not sure why that would necess- necessitate him coming back into the storyline. Drew, have um, you read Last Shot? Which one's Last Shot? The Han and Lando one? No, I've not. Okay, so in this in, in the book, L- Lando has to get Ben... Uh, Lindsay, is it a first birthday present? Or, I don't remember. It's, it's, yeah. It's, oh, it, I hate it already. It's a, it was a birthday <laughs> present, right? <laughs> And he he doesn't know what to get him. So basically, he takes a blaster and puts it in a locker. um, And and basically, the card says something to the nature of, like, if you're older and you never ever need to get out of trouble. No, that's Aftermath. Is it Aftermath? Yeah, it's Aftermath before he's even born. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, there's the blaster in the locker waiting for Ben Solo as he grows up. Lindsay, do you think okay. they do you think they bring that in at all to the episode nine story? I would love that somehow, some way, even if it's just symbolically. Um, you know, maybe one way to tie it in would be Maz has it. Maybe he gave it to Maz for safekeeping, and it would just be a fun Easter egg. Um, if Maz goes into like her collection and starts to explain how she got the lightsaber or something <laughs> like that. And we see the, the blaster in a locker, you know, she takes that Finn, out and starts to reminisce about that or something. If Finn picks it up and has a vision. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Dad. the in trilogy. He, he, yeah. He throws it down and says, I don't ever want to touch that thing again. Mm. No, no, I, I think, think it'd be, I think it'd be a cool Easter egg. I just don't think we're going to get it as a major plot point. I think what we'll get is Kylo Ren in his mask, and kind of like when he saw Han Solo. He's like Han Solo, except he's going to be Uncle Wando, mm. <laughs> right there <laughs> on the bridge the of the start. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Uh, do, okay, directed by J.J. Abrams. So my my working theory is that, and I think the Vanity Fair pictures kind of adds a, a level of credence to this, that Lando's story is going to primarily be attached with. Um, Poe and Finn and whatever's going on with Zori Bliss and however she plays into the story. And I kind of envision, I don't know exactly how they execute this, but kind of a, a Lando passing the torch from one pilot to the next to to Poe Dameron um, kind of thing. So what is your, mm. Drew, you, I'm forcing you, you have to come up with a, this is how they're going to use it in, him in episode nine theory. What do you say? Boy, oh boy. Um, I don't know. I thought of a question. Who's going to own the Falcon after all this? Uh, Ray, obviously. Yeah, but then she's not the one we see in the in the cockpit. But is anybody going to fight Chewie? We've already discussed that Chewie yeah, is Ray's know. dad, and he will fight for her right, all right listen. to fly it. Nope. Boo. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right, I'll see myself out. Um, boy, what is this role going to be? I, I maybe it is just kind of, I think more like it's he's going to play the role that they had intended for 
for Leia to fill. But since Carrie is no longer available to shoot those scenes, I feel like they're probably going to bring him in and play that kind of a the role to mentor some of the characters a little bit. Maybe, like you had said, pass the torch and say, you know, I received this shit from my father who received it from my father, and now I'm giving it to you. Something like that. I don't know. So then, Lindsay, do you think that Lando plays any role in Kylo Ren's redemption? I don't. Um, I think Lando in episode nine is really going to be more of the symbolic pass on the torch. You know, the big focus of the sequel trilogy is letting the new guys come in and letting the next generation take over. I think it's going to be not so much he is involved with Kylo Ren in any way as much as he is, hey, let's get the band back together. Let's show these kids how it's done and then Ooh. pass it off to them. I, I, I came up with a, an idea. What if let's hear it. somebody has to make a, a, a life-threatening, daring spaceship journey and the only one who can do it is Lando, but in the end, it costs him his life and he wrecks the Falcon and it blows up, but it saves the day and everybody's fine. No, it's going to. No. Yep. They're going to they're going to trash the Falcon and, and Lando all at the same time. Yep. Absolutely. No, you heard it here first. Hundred <laughs> confirmed. Confirmed. I kind of like it. <laughs> no, you don't destroy the Falcon. <laughs> yeah, that ship's got to go, dude. I hate all of you. It's it's the last member of the Skywalker family. Mm, is it, though? There's a theory that the Falcon has its own uh, sentience and is indeed force sensitive all by itself. Well, okay, so not for, saying I buy that, but I'm saying it's a theory. But, but some people do. Yeah, there I'm there is an argument. <laughs> there's an argument to be made about the the Falcon having its own sentience because you have L3's memory core in there. So force sensitive? No, no, not not buying that. Um, there there used to be force sensitive droids in the old canon. That's how crazy it was. Sure, we can use the word crazy. Dumpster fire at times comes to mind, but... All right, listen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I there are reading... moments when you're like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. I'm reading, um, well, I'm reading Alphabet Squadron right now, but I've got about 50, 60 pages left in Outbound Flight, and I'm really liking that book. Outbound Flight is a lot That's of fun. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So. That puts a lot of stuff into perspective and gives a lot more reasoning for things. And you're like, oh, things make a little bit of sense now. Yeah. And I like that about flight a lot. I have, I think there's like two or three I still need to get. But then I will have all the books published leading up to, well, the, the novels leading up to um, A New Hope. So I'll have to finish oh, okay. that part of the journey. Um, Would you read the say? Death Star book yet? I read that many years ago, um, and I'm, I'm never going to get that spring break back. Aww, Just wait till it. you get to the courtship of Princess Leia. Ooh, I forgot Talk about, about that. never getting time back. <laughs> that may be an audiobook only thing so that I can just say I've read it, no. but not actually yeah. remember what happened. No, no. Don't worry you, about it. You need the experience. <laughs> Do I, though? Do yeah. I? Uh, what's the one that has the eye of Palpatine in it? I can't remember which series that came from. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that the? It's the like asteroid floaty thing that went around and collected species from different planets and put them into stormtrooper armor. So you had like Tuscan Raiders and Gamorrean guards wearing stormtrooper helmets oh, running around this base. No it's idea. Like no? Star Wars, Noah of Ark. Exactly. 
That's yeah. exactly what it was. So what you're saying is Palpatine is actually the savior of the galaxy. A hundred percent. Okay. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God he's coming back, huh? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Kylo Ren's actually going to be redeemed. We could really use him right now. <laughs> help, help us, Chief Palpatine. You're my only hope, I guess. Well, this episode took a dark turn. <laughs> All right. We're going to end it there. Because, well, no, actually, we're not going to end it there because we do have Which some Which leads me to Lando. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made up my mind about him. I think how, I now know. Now? All right. I would describe him as the guy you meet on Tinder who you talk to him online for a little bit and he's telling you all these great things about himself and he seems like such a great guy. And then you finally meet him and you're like, oh, None of that's true. Like, he's not bad. He's totally fine. It's just he has a totally warped idea of himself. That's how I would describe Lando, the creepy guy on Tinder. Wow. I feel like Lindsay has spent way too much time on Tinder. <laughs> She's got, like, categories of the people on, t- on Tinder. I have my buckets. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one Lando would fall in because really and truly there's you know there's there's those subset of people who when you are texting them uh, or you're getting their idea of themselves it's it's so yeah. great and so grand and wonderful and pure and then in reality it's not necessarily that they're bad people they're just not who they think they are so it's like every other human being on planet earth Except- who's on tinder yeah Except magnifying. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we did have. I, I'm uh, not. Ter- I have no uh, familiarity with this device you're talking about. So I'm going to rely on your guys' expertise. Uh, I think it's just me, but trust yeah. me. Just, just trust me. On you sure, this. Brandon? You don't want to admit to anything here while we're recording things for posterity's sake? Mm-hmm. How long till your wedding? I, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm good. Maybe I should uh, clear my phone out. Um. Anyways, <laughs> we we did have some comments from uh, from some listeners that I wanted to get to to just kind of wrap up um, our our thoughts here. Uh, our friend Johnny Orm from Star Wars, uh, my Star Wars Life Debt podcast, said Lando is a legend. No further comment. Um, Boom. So that's where he comes down. Um, we had uh, Ro Gazga, R-O-G-A-Z-G-A, hopefully I said that right, um, wishes that Lando was in episode seven and eight um, and is looking forward to seeing him coming into The Return of Skywalker. I feel like it would have been nice to have Lando in episode eight. I don't know how they would have because I love Last Jedi as it is, but it would have been, mm. been interesting. Uh, Matt Ryle says uh, the events of this comic, the, the Charles Sewell uh, Lando um, comic are one of the reasons that he really got into loving Lando and his his uh, Twitter name is literally Calrissian Love Child so he, he which is, I love he's I an authority I. on this um, he, he's dynamic on screen his presence and mystique which we all kind of touched on um, and, and then Lindsay I think you kind of touched on this um, he was larger than life um, and and has been in every scene that he's been in since and maybe to some extent he's larger than life because he thinks that he's larger than life. Uh, that could definitely yeah, play. That's a much more eloquent way to put it than I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, our friend Tracy, um, 
says that he was the the introduction to um, a certain smooth talking type of people that she has tried uh, to avoid for for most of her <sighs> life. Um, oh my goodness, that's crazy. That's like more of Lindsay's Twitter support or Tinder support. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she has a, a, a very long, well-thought-out response here um, that is over on our Facebook group. You can check that out. But to sum it all down to it, um, she doesn't think he's a very good guy. Uh, Wait, I got to find it because I was absolutely dying reading her comment. There's just one phrase really in particular. I got to find it. All right, well, while you're doing that, uh, to, to, to close out our comments, Dennis sa- uh, said one of the reasons that he loves Empire Strikes Back is because of Lando Calrissian, and that is one of the things that makes him uh, makes it still his favorite film. So for the most part, people seem to like Lando a lot more than um, at least Lindsay and I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the bottom line there. Did you find the, the comment you were looking for? It's not so much common as word. She uses the word lecherous. Oh, yeah. And smooth-talking lecherous. And I could not stop laughing when I read that. Tracy, you're the absolute best. Keep keep throwing out fun phrases like that. She could could probably out-talk Lando. I'm going to say it now. My money's on you, Tracy. It's recorded for posterity's sake. There you go. All right, so that is going to wrap up our thoughts on Lando Calrissian for now. We'll see what happens in Rise of Skywalker. Um, if they want to see more of your thoughts on Star Wars and other movies, Drew, where can people find you? Uh, best place right now is on the Twitters at the Drew Brett. You can find me there, and I'll post links to things when I get them up on either our website or the Facebook group, and kind of keep things going. Uh, we just finished. Uh, my appearing on the social network minute uh, podcast, which is, watches one minute of the movie, the social network at a time and talk about it. I got minutes 21 through 25. So the very beginning of the film. So if you thought that this podcast goes long, you should listen to those five episodes back to back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> that'll drive you nuts. <laughs> and that'll waste your whole spring break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, you've got an article coming out soon, so that, of course, will be on all our social media. Yeah, and listen, I know it's going to stir the pot, and I'm okay with that. Because Isn't that kind of your role here? It's, it's kind of my motif. Um, but I feel pretty strongly about that one, and I feel like I did a good job defending my position on that. So if you have opinions on it, please share them. Either on You, know, you can put the comments there on the... Uh, the website itself or through the Facebook group, wherever you see it, because I missed out on this conversation when it was probably happening a year or two ago. It is Rebels specific. Um, And it is kind of in-depth. And I had to touch a lot of different topics in order to get my main points sufficiently supported. So poke holes in the theory, please. Um, Because otherwise, if I'm right, it's a problem. And that is going to come out, uh, this episode is going to come out on Monday. That's going to come out later in the week on probably uh, Thursday. So keep an eye out for that. And of course, again, it'll be on Facebook group, on Twitter and everything there. Um, 
And yeah, we, we love interacting with everybody. Lindsay, if they want to interact with you and your awesome new Twitter handle, where can they do that? I know. I finally changed it after years of threatening to. But you guys can now find me on... Um, it's my same Twitter. I just changed my handle. You can find me at the Lady of Lore. Um, and then, of course, you can always find me at the Clashing Sabers Network. Brandon and I do another show called um, Don't Burn the Sacred Text. And it really does focus a lot on the books and those stories there. But I will just say in July and early August, we have some really cool stuff planned uh, that we're going to release on that show. So stick around there because I think it's going to really excite a lot of people who listen to this episode and this show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then, of course, if you subscribe to... Our feed, you get the wonderful Forever Star Wars, the amazing Starships podcast, um, all of those with just one click to your subscribe button. We would really appreciate it if you would go over and leave us a rating and review on whatever podcatcher you listen to. It's been a little bit since we got one of those, and uh, we'll read it on the show. Um, Or you can send us your thoughts via email, clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com, on the Facebook group, or give us a call or send us a text at 832-966-0077. And to close out today, I thought we would talk about the most important message of Star Wars, which is Batch 8. Hi-ho. Oh, you guys were so close. You were like right there and you let it slip. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>